Welcome to CodeCast. We're a podcast that focuses on everything tech, and we give you an idea of what developers, startups, and creatives are up to in Zambia and across Africa. Every two weeks, we explore different topics and applications of technology in the real world. Every episode is brought to you by Agora Code Community. For more information, visit agoracode.community or follow us on Twitter at CodeAgora. Welcome to another episode of CodeCast. It's been uh, it's been a minute since we've had everybody on on the same call. And uh, I'm excited to finally have the team all in one place. Hi, guys. Hola. Hey. I don't know if I'm part of the team, but hi. Really? <laughs> well, we are part of the team today. So welcome <laughs> to the team. <laughs> How are you doing, guys? How, how's, how's, how's life, uh, the new life we're going to be leading? Uh, I expect that even after Corona, we'll continue working from home more often than we go to the office. I expect that we'll see each other less. I don't expect people to call me up and say, let's chill. You know, let's just be calling each other just like this. Let's not visit each other. You know, all these things. How are you shaping up? Um, alive, happy, trying to thrive, you know, living the life. Elias? Uh, it's cool. I, I, I will admit it's cool, but uh, I feel like it comes at certain trade-offs. So I'm sure we'll get into that as we go on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cynthia, how are you doing? I am in need of uh, physical contact. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. But yeah, <sighs> I miss the... For for the longest time now, I really miss the the studio where we would all sit in one place, you know, yeah. chat, record, laugh. Yeah. I actually I actually muted myself because I burst out laughing when you said you you need physical contact. Dude, I was holding myself like you have no yes. idea. <laughs> Get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like it's just a funny way to to you know. <laughs> I do miss it's an it. interesting way to 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 put it. Well, I've started really quoting things in a very interesting way. Like when I saw the latest <laughs> GitHub announcement, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm having the most orgasmic morning." Yes. Anyway, I, I, I saw yeah, that I and I was so excited. I've never been so excited about a Microsoft product in my life before. I, like, you I was literally jumping. Like, yes. Well, I, I used Wait, GitLab, I'm, so I'm, am I the only I one who hasn't got, like, really deep into that? What what does that mean? I haven't the got team. deep in it anyway as well. Like, <laughs> well like, what effect does that have? I know, like, people are happy about it, but, like, how does that affect me? Well, for, basically... For, well, Elias, you can go first. Uh, no, no, please. Oh, Elias is being a gentleman. Okay. <laughs> For me, I guess <laughs> the excitement came in because recently I I created a private ripple, but um, I was trying to turn it, it, it to, to be owned by an organization anyway, but then that means you create a team and then creating a team meant me paying. But then this time I can actually join on a free tiered team uh, <clears throat> aspect and still have a private triple because the free one 
I was going to have to turn the repo into a public repo. Oh yeah. So now I can keep it private. Okay. I mean that's a that's such a big move. I'm assuming that's where they got a lot of their revenue from. But anyway, they know what they're doing. Well, I'll say this. Uh I'm someone that uses GitLab and these are features that we've had for like I don't know years. So I get that it's a big deal. It's just a small part of me was like that there was an alternative all this time. Yeah, and I'm not saying like uh, GitLab is like uh, the best use case in every situation. It's just a lot of people seemed to make a really big deal out of uh, the uh, teams and being able to have private repos. And if privacy was such a big uh, driving force for you, uh, then there was an alternative. But uh, I, I guess there are trade-offs either way. I'm sure Kuma's going to get into that. I started using it because everyone was using it and then it just <laughs> what get up yeah I mean to, like it was the only one I knew I think they just did their branding really well I picked it not because of the I didn't pick it on a techy reason like I yeah, picked it because like you know the, the three people I knew were like ah yeah get up oh okay okay So I, I just I don't know why I have this in my mind also. I feel like when I was getting into like version control, GitHub was like the the nicer cousin and I don't know what was attached to GitLab. I don't know if it was evil, but in like in my head they did something really bad and no one wanted to use them. I don't know what it was about them. Well, I think there was like this huge debate about them being VC funded or like being like uh funded by these really bad VCs who do bad stuff to tech companies i don't know what it was about but yeah you know i actually started out on uh source tree that's what i used to use before uh um, yeah. and i used it too right that's like one of the first tools that, like i think we yeah. were we were getting into it around the same time so one of us influenced the other in some way or something like that or like a lot of people because i remember i was into source tree then when we migrated to github i also started using github yeah so, so like I, i in fact like i wasn't even using github at the time i was using bitbucket so bitbucket was easier to manage with source tree it was like i think same product right at least and stuff like that so well yeah 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 so it was like a, a proper pipeline for me it was easy to get my stuff there but then source tree was very annoying there was something very annoying about source tree and i i, I hope like it's something that's been fixed now and it has something to do with like the way you you manage your your stashes and You know sometimes when you're making edits on a different branch and then you got that whole conflicts and stuff like that stuff was pretty hard to manage mm-hmm. for me in source tree it wasn't the easiest thing i was always on stack overflow because of source tree it didn't make a lot of sense to me so yeah i'll, when, I'll say this about about uh, source tree uh it's like it's get at its barest So like it doesn't give you like a lot of these uh features that uh, a lot of UI come through with uh like GitHub and like I don't even use like uh UIs just like kind of part of my ID so really it's just communication uh between uh uh the remote and the local but yeah a lot of a lot of I remember with with Pastry as well like it it almost turned me off kit entirely which is crazy to say now but it wasn't fun 
Uh, it wasn't fun at all. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Let's get into it. We don't have a lot of time. Um, uh, so uh, we have an additional team member today, uh, hopefully not just for today, but for future episodes also. Hi, Alec. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, so are you going to tell us a little bit about what you, about yourself, what you do, um, okay. what your favorite tools are, and okay. stuff like that? Okay, okay. Uh, so my name is Alec. Uh, I'm an aspiring, I'm an aspiring full stack developer. Uh, I want to know everything, but alas, I can only learn so much. So uh, I only got heavily into programming and the tech scene about five years ago when I was in college studying something totally different. Uh, someone introduced me to some C++ code and I was in love ever since. Uh, and the journey has taken me through switching career majors to fighting with my parents over certain things. But uh, I think my passion for tech prevailed. And here I am now uh, with you guys, other techies. Pleasure to be here. Uh, so... Mukuma, what else do you what else what else what else do you think I should talk about about myself? Give me some uh, some point. Well, th- there's really no like rule book for like describing <laughs> yourself. So like, <laughs> like uh, what's your favorite emoji? Yeah, like what's your where, favorite where are you at? Music, apples, dominance. <laughs> okay, okay. Music. Okay, uh, <laughs> music. I listen. I'm sorry. I listen to a lot of school screen music. I'm sorry to whoever's listening. Um, trap. Yeah, I listen to a lot of trap. I'm a big, okay. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big fan of all those guys. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a rap man, I'm kidding. I'm a rap head in general. I listen to anything that's rap, whether it's from 2020, whether it's from 1994, I'll listen to it as long as it's on a beat. And How do you rhymes. feel about Denzel Curry? Uh, okay, uh, let me, let me, let me. I'm on the thing. <laughs> I don't think I've heard enough. She listened to his new project, it's dope. Okay. I'll definitely check it out. I'll definitely check it out. Um, favorite books. Uh, I like sci-fi. Uh, I love long series of books. If it has more than eight books in it, I'm definitely going to read it. Uh, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, no. Come on. Get out of here. This call is over. Get out. Get Neither am I. I don't like Harry Potter. Thank you. I, I just, thank I just you. hate thank the game. Some cultural validation for once. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm so offended right now, you guys. have No idea. <laughs> uh, I'm the hype behind Harry Potter. More. But anyways, uh, I'll like let people enjoy things. Did you like Twilight? Did you like Twilight? No, I did not. It sucks. Okay. Yeah, like okay. That's 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 your check for the day. (laughs) Please don't kill me. I feel like I've 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 bashed so many faves. Sorry to cut you off. You crossed the line. Okay. Uh. Yeah. I think I think you have enough about me to get by now. Okay, that's dope, that's dope, that's dope. So yeah, like um, uh, I saw a tweet uh, from Alec uh, talking about working autonomously and how much he really loved it and how, um, uh, well, I think it was working for him productivity-wise and it stirred in me uh, 
something that I've been talking to Daniel about a lot. I complain a lot about working autonomously sometimes. Okay, a lot because I've done that my entire career. Like my first job, um, solo developer, uh, no real, like I, I pretty much made all the technical decisions. I, I made all kinds of decisions regarding what stack we're going to use. And uh, I was heavily involved in what direction the product is going to go as well. Uh, my next job after that is very similar, uh, same situation, but I'm stuck in this place where like it, it doesn't feel like that autonomy is doing me any real uh, benefit. And I felt like that's really tied into like culture, like um, for people that are running their own businesses, for example, your own startup and you're the only like developer and you love working autonomously. At what point do you start building culture that allows everybody else to kind of work with you in terms of, um, building something solid. And then on the other hand, uh, at what point does the stress get to you? You know what I mean? Like it must be really stressful working alone, building this one thing. Yeah. The decisions are all yours, but decisions, decisions can get heavy as well. So, so yeah, I just wanted to get like everyone's opinions on like how, how, how that, that would work for you. Maybe, uh, Elias, you could start. Because Elias and I worked together for like a couple of months and then he ditched me uh, and went to a different <laughs> company. I'm still salty, dude. I'm still very salty. So maybe we could start with you. Like, how was the transition? Like, um, coming from where we were, where it was just the two of us, like, managing everything and then stepping into a team where you had different people working with you uh, on the product you guys are building. Yeah, it was the transition and by the way I didn't abandon you I told you exactly what was going on and you told me go I just like to put that out there is seats yeah so mostly you, you have to consider that there's of course going to be a transition period just like as you're either learning uh, a stack or you're bringing on someone that is like learning your stack like uh, when I left, like, there was, like, I think a couple of months where I had to, like, actually get good at not just the programming aspect of it, but also the workflow aspect. Like, how does his, uh, and I'm talking about the tech lead, how uh, his um, thought process works. Not necessarily his thought process, but kind of how uh, he takes an idea from uh, an idea to implementation all the way to production and understanding where you fit in as a team member. Uh, then after that, it's pretty much about communicating. And I think a lot of a lot of the pitfalls of uh, working in a team come from uh, poor communication. Uh, like you, it, for example, it doesn't make sense for you guys to be working, uh, like multiple team members to be working on the same thing. But if one team member doesn't know that that's the case and doesn't communicate that they're starting to work on that, then it's a whole, it's a whole thing. So yeah, mostly, uh, the transition period was there, but it was also about learning, uh, how that person works and that might be different, uh, case to case. In mine, I don't know, it's a really weird question. I've, I've worked partially remote for, I guess, my whole career. Um, but the in-person 
interactions I've had have been very stimulating. So whenever I had to be in the office, that time, um, that time was spent really just understanding a lot of the processes uh, that go with being in a, a team and working on a team and, you know, trying to ship stuff with other people. I mean, when you're doing it remote and you're on your computer, on your machine doing stuff, it, like everything is already set up. You, most companies, when you join, they have this guide, you read how they work, how their workflow is and getting into that. Uh, I think I've always just been with other people. So I'm not really sure if I have the perspective of solo work. Or well, I could play like devil's advocate for solo work. And I don't know, Alec, you could be, I mean, I could play for like teamwork and you could be like solo work. We could do that. Uh, I think so. that, that, that could work. Are we, are we going to do like a pros and cons? Or you Not just really. want to I mean, like, like you can just talk about your experience your and experiences, why yeah. Think, why you think okay. that's okay? Because I think, because yeah. I feel like, I feel like I've experienced in both. <laughs> yeah. So, so which one works better for you and why? Okay, I, I think they both work. First of all, I, I think I don't think it it should it would be nice to pit them. Well, I don't mean pit them per se, but I, I feel like it depends on the kind of situation you're in and what you're trying to achieve. Because in, in my few interactions and situations uh, with regards to work, I've found that when I'm working on my own, uh, I feel my productivity increases because I have no one else to blame but myself. So I feel like I can make those hard decisions. And then when I'm working as a team, when I'm working as part of a team, I feel like uh, everything is not up to you anymore. You've got both professional, and if you're lucky, even emotional support. It's not usually the case, but if you're lucky, you, you could get that too. So I think, uh, I think I'm for both. Uh, from my history, for the past about year and a half, on our little startup, I've had to work with a partner who has, I can say, become a friend. And it's been the two of us, but it's felt like a team because we have other people around. It's been two of us prominently. It's, it's felt like a team. And uh, I remember Mukuma's follow-up question after that was, after you start maybe transitioning from working alone, maybe you've got this idea, it's great. Maybe it's a podcast and you want to get other people in. And maybe it's going to be people you work with long-term. Uh, how do you build culture? How do you, how do you start working together? Because you, as, you probably be a lead, I'm assuming, or at least have some form of decision-making. Uh, when you decide to grow, would you like to, how, how would you like the decisions made top down? Would you like to run a tight ship? Uh, those questions have been pertinent. I would like to get you guys' thoughts on that. Uh, I guess Cynthia could chip in now. Um, well, from from my experience, I guess, um, when if, if you've been one who's been used to working alone and then you're transitioning and not only joining a team, but you're responsible for their growth. Firstly, it has to take you uh, avoiding looking at things only your way because then now you are part of a team and you're responsible for the team. And what I've, what I've experienced works best in these scenarios is firstly, get to know your, your team members. 
it might not be really personal, personal, but at least know a few things like what, how do they communicate? Are they the, the direct kind of conversation keepers or they avoid direct conversation they would prefer you, you, you know, you, you let them down slowly <laughs> or are they the kind that uh, are open to um, feedback, whether it's bad or good because they feel it will help them understand where they're going and do they like it direct or do they like it, you know, first you compliment what they have done, then you slowly say, do you feel maybe you need to improve in this area? So it's it's all about knowing your, your team members, what ticks for each one of them and what doesn't, then sort of finding a common ground for all of them. It is usually quite difficult anyway, like they say, the the most difficult <laughs> to manage are human beings because they all come from different backgrounds and might have different attributes or behavior traits. So it has to be mostly learning them. I, I've really utilized uh, personality tests, though they've been people who say, no, they're not really 100%. But what I've noticed is when you combine, say, maybe two or three of them, it will be easy for you to actually notice the common traits that each test brings out then you can actually build off from there. Uh, what kind of tests, like, um, what kind of resources do you use for personality tests, by the way? Um, so, I, I don't know why I always forget that name. <laughs> they, so there, there was one which was called, is it 18, is it 16 or 18 personalities? Yeah, 16 personalities, yeah. 16, pretty nice, yeah, six, yeah. 16 personalities are... Then there's another one. I'm trying to to bring out the the name. It's actually quite a short name. Anyway, I I I might I can share the links afterwards. They can be attached to the the Maya the, Briggs test, something like that. Well, most of them are actually built off that. Eventually, uh-huh. that that acts as the foundation for all of them. But then you find others actually go ahead and um, and try new things. They they add bits and pieces here and there. The one which has those funny uh, solomio. What 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 is it? Um, they've got these funny definitions. There's like four four major personality types. I think they put them into like four categories. Um, I really forgot. Damn. Anyway, continue. Sorry. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So basically, those have actually come in handy. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's called Crystal. So I liked Crystal specifically um, because what it does, it goes further. If you 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 do the paid uh, version, uh, so the way we are five of us. We, we each do our tests and I want to strike a conversation, say, with Mukuma and then it will make me pick what sort of conversation do I want to do? Is it a feedback conversation or is it trying to get some feedback from Mukuma or am I trying to maybe ask for other details from Mukuma? It, it, I can pick that. Then it will sort of um, assess Mukuma according to the tests he did 
and it will advise me on how to structure. If it's an email, it will advise me on how to structure the email. If it is a phone conversation, it will give me hints on how to start the phone conversation. That is why I liked it. And then if you, if you log in and view another person's profile, it still does, um, it, it, it sort of uh, what assesses both of you and how you can work together. So it would actually say maybe Daniel will pay more attention to detail and while Cynthia will pay more attention to, to timelines and whether we're within budget. And sometimes it will actually tell you whether you work best together or there might be chances of conflicts because of the differences that you have in your personalities. Uh, that's that's really, really neat. Yeah, I should, I should actually take a look at them. I usually just take the personality test for fun. Um, and I guess to kind of weigh in on what Alec mentioned, like, uh, I don't think it would be fair to do like, a, to pit like the two sides against each other. I, I don't think that's ever the case. It's, it just feels like it's always dependent on so many things. And like in my experience and what, what I've been, because I've only experienced one side, right? Which is the autonomous side. Like even though I am working for a different organization, it's, 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 it so happens that, um, there's never really any defined structure. And it just allows me that kind of freedom to decide, uh, which direction certain things can go. Uh, but over the years, I've just found that it's, re- it's a really, really dangerous thing to have that kind of power. Like, I always think this only works, um, well, it's dependent on, you know, a few, a few things, right? Like, we're looking at, um, whether you have the skill level to actually make the decisions that, are that would benefit, you know, um, the product at a high level or whatever tools you've been allowed to use, whatever resources. And, you know, thinking about it, like, I don't think I've ever been in a place, because I've never really worked for a software company. Like, uh, I was in insurance, and now, like, I'm in, like, the nonprofit space. Like, you, you don't really have all the tools that you want, and it's really hard to, to kind of justify uh, why you need certain tools. Like, people rarely ever re- understand. You always have to go the extra mile and convince them that you actually need this thing. And I feel like experience always plays a huge role in how successful you can be at um, working autonomously, especially, like, in yeah. software projects and stuff like that. And I always feel like the size of the... Uh, the project is really, really crucial because for the small stuff, like, it's, it re- works really well when you're by yourself, but then the bigger stuff is a, is a bit more difficult. And, and I guess it also helps if it's a passion project and stuff like that. But for things like career development, like for me personally, I always feel like I would want to pursue a path where I work with others more. Like I fear developing situations where like I'm, I'm not excellent at something or at least even, uh, at least even good at it. You know what I mean? And I, I fear not knowing if I'm actually good at something. Like if I'm by myself, I, I won't be able to tell. And I guess this is where uh, I came across something called uh, being unskilled and unaware of it. You know what I mean? Like you, there's this like false confidence that you've built that you, you know, you, you perceive yourself as being good at something when in actual fact, you are really not as good as you think you are. It's like some kind of bias. And it reminds me of a conversation we had with Twombo in one of the episodes we did on bootstrapping projects. Uh, he mentioned the Dunning-Kruger effect, and it had such an impact on me because, firstly, this is like if defining it, basically. It's like overestimating your abilities at tasks or a particular role, right? And for me, it really hit home because of my experience. Like, I've worked alone in most of my projects, right? 
uh, I have, I felt like I was growing towards a certain like skill level, but then when you, you get that feeling that maybe you, you are building some kind of false sense of confidence in your skills, you really have to do some kind of, some kind of introspection, which really goes back to why I enjoyed listening since Cynthia talking about the personality test, right? It helps you see what you like your pitfalls are, like what you're good at and what you're not. Maybe you're not a good communicator, which is really such a skill that's needed. And I guess that's, that's what really bothers me about like, uh, working autonomously based off like my personality traits or how I'd want to work and the situations that I've been in and so on and so forth. It's, I, it's still like the, what is it called again? I don't know why the word Kruger is in my head. It's called the Dunning Kruger effect. So it's really oh, interesting okay. because it's got like this, um, sort of like U-shaped graph, right? When you start mm. learning something, you learn a lot quickly and then you build like this, you know, you're confident, like you're really confident that you're knowing something because confidence is like the Y axis and then your experience is the X axis, right? So your confidence, like, you know, in a short, in your short experience really drives, it really drives the graph up and then you get to this peak, right? As you're getting more experienced and you're finding out that, Oh, I can't, I can't do this this way. I have to do it this way. Then it really starts going down and then you get to this point where your confidence is low because you realize how difficult it is to become an expert at a particular skill or something. And then the graph like goes back up as you become more experienced and you persevere with like learning something. And stuff yeah, like I that. feel that. But I think that's, that's like a successful story where after the graph goes down, it goes back up. Yeah. Because I think there's there's not a lot in many places that can make for that graph to go up or like systems in place that can help you learn what you need to learn to become an expert at what you want to become an expert at. And like what happens if you don't have that? Do you give up? Do you stay stagnant? Does the experience just stop? I feel like that experience part for me took a while. Like Daniel said, like, you know, that confidence went up. And then when experience taught you that, oh man, I need to put a lot of, a lot more time into and effort into this thing if I'm going to become an expert at it. And that experience graphed sort of, the confidence sort of went down and then the experience just kept on going. I'm not going to lie. It took quite a lot of motivating, self-motivating. It took quite a lot. Uh... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how Daniel. How did how did you manage to do it? Like my, my biggest problem hasn't been like overestimating my abilities. It's really been underestimating myself because there's lots of times I feel like, damn, this is like too much and I can't do this. But there's like small glimpses of of times where you feel like, yo, okay, this is, I'm pretty good at this. And then you see someone else doing something else, and you're like. Or like you have this conversation with someone and they like every one step you take, you find out that there's two more steps. And like, for me, it's, it's really just understanding that there's always going to be so much out there to learn and to take up and saying, and saying to myself, okay, I'll focus on what I want to focus on. What I know is right in front of me and, um, luckily for me, most of those times I've had structures in the organizations I have where 
it's either I have like mentors or like managers who can help that progression happen? Uh, for me, uh, I think they all kind of tie in. Uh, like uh, to 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 Kumar's point, like you 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 kind of have like two effects, right? So there's the beginning uh, when you're overconfident, you think you can take over the world, uh, and uh, there's there's a saying. I think uh, it's something like stupid people are stupid because they don't know just how much they don't know. Or something along those lines. If uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like it, it, it really comes from that ignorance and not understanding how much you have left to become an expert in whatever it is. And I don't think this is just like uh, exclusive to like the tech scene. I think in general, like uh, I, I, I watched a video uh, about this uh, in preparation for this, and it gave an example of like. Uh, a person that reads an article on Wikipedia and then goes on social media and, you know, starts to argue with people that have been studying for years uh, because they think that they're an expert and they know better because they read the Wikipedia article and that kind of thing. So it's kind of something that uh, you sometimes have to grow past and sometimes it just takes a certain level of self-awareness to uh, kind of except that not only do you not know everything, but like generally learning never stops. You never stop learning about, you know, the things that you're doing. You never stop learning about yourself. Like we, we, we all like to think that we know ourselves really well and that kind of thing. And I'm like starting to get philosophical, but uh, like the learning really never stops. And when you start to accept that and accept that there's always something that you can learn from someone, uh, then you start to really see the uh, benefits of being in a team and being part of a team because you understand that you can learn things from uh, other people. But of course, there are trade-offs and you don't want a situation where you're completely removed from every decision that affects you. So uh, like Kumar brought this up, um, he, he brought this up, I think, when he was talking about uh, how he works alone and is responsible for uh, every uh, decision, but then getting approval for those decisions is harder because he's not getting the support because basically the only person or uh, relatively speaking, working on it alone. And a situation like that just kind of stymies growth. And personally, I that's one of the reasons why even uh when 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 I think to myself personally and whatnot, like I have a trajectory, so if I were to switch to another job or anything like that, I would think about what that place can offer me, not just in terms of like a pay, but like are they going to give me the tools I need to grow? Yeah. Okay, so I have a quick question. I don't know who can pick it up. I feel like you guys have brought out a lot of aspects about how certain organizations you've been at or you've worked with or you've collaborated with have have sort of structures and culture, so to speak, in place that sort of have these pathways, like, okay, I, I'm working here, I'm working with these people. And you had certain avenues with where you could sort of, if you're stuck, maybe it was easier to communicate with this guy. Maybe Daniel talked about mentors. 
So uh, how do you think uh, companies should, or if you're building one, assuming, or you're part of one, and you're a decision, you're decision maker there, and you're a little influential, and you can do something about it, how do you think you can improve, how do you build the culture in such a place that it works? I mean, I know there's no rule book and auto, there's no X and Y graph, but I don't know, one or two things you've observed, maybe one or two things you've tried, or one or two things, one or two things you'd want to try? Uh, I'll say mostly, and I think you touched on this a bit, I like the way you mentioned mentorship. I like the idea of there being like kind of a, I don't know if orientation period is, is the right phrase, but I'll go with it. Like an orientation period where you're allowing this person not to just step in and the first thing they're on is, okay, this is what you need to do to the code and whatnot. Allow them to understand what they're working with and allow them to learn, uh, not just within the stack, but, you know, like I'm thinking idealistically here, a, a company which has a tech lead, like that person is probably more experienced than the people coming in. So you want to foster that kind of mentorship where the people that are coming in are going to learn and, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, a lot of the time when people leave, even 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 when people are like leaving the company because these things happen, when they feel like they've learned something or they're walking away with more than just what they were getting paid at the end of the month, it's a lot more satisfying. But I don't know what everyone else thinks. Yeah, absolutely. I believe um, something that matters a lot and I've seen this um, in a lot of my adventures going through interviews is how big a role culture plays I think people really downplay it even in terms of um, getting a developer there's certain values that you look for when you're hiring and it's really hard to to look for them in people and you if you don't see them in your prospective candidate and you do bring them on, you would have all these issues um, with trying to get them on board to how your company works. Because like there's lots of times where you hear uh, this person probably wasn't a good fit, maybe because they saw something um, that would uh, be a huge roadblock or a huge hurdle in you getting to work the way the company works and be efficient at it. And I think that's really only possible when you define and set these things out from the beginning. Like, hey, we need people who are okay with jumping on to things they have no idea about, but are willing to, you know, are willing to try them out regardless. We need people who are very supportive of new teammates or just supportive of each other. We need people who communicate clearly and aren't afraid to speak up when they need to, even with like, you know, um, people who are above them or who their bosses I think putting these things and like a bunch of other stuff um, at least writing them down and defining what you're about and what 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 you do um, even just from like a non-technical perspective and even going to the whole other side and and um, defining your you know your workflow like like you said if you get into a new job you want to know how the engineering team works, right? Like you want to run through, you want uh, you want to know their standards, you want to know their processes. And I think like this, it takes 
it takes some time, at least a month or so before you're fully comfortable and before you are, you are properly integrated in the workings of a, an organization. But that's only possible when you have these things down or when you have them set and defined. So for me, I think I'll go back to the part that talks about how you build a team's culture. Um, I think it's important to, I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in allowing everyone to participate. So if it's, but then it also depends, like Daniel has said, where if you are already joining a team that is that has already set their goals and they've set the culture already, how they work, and there's already a proper structure, then it, it means you have to ad, think, adapt to what you're finding there and sort of finding your way around it. If they are open to suggestions, then you, you can put in your suggestions. On I've seen some, some companies, when they're doing your orientation, they'll actually run you through the structure that they have, but they'll also ask you, what sort of environment do you thrive in? Do you do you think maybe you need a tiny adjustment here and there to make you productive or things like that? Well, there are quite a few, but there are some that actually do that. But in terms of where you're participating, this is our whole new team, maybe a startup uh, setup where you're all starting literally at the same time. You have to build all these structures. It It doesn't have to mean the one who's leading the team should do all that alone. I feel there's more uh, respect and more joy and more appreciation of uh, a company's culture and structures when people are included in making those things being established as opposed to a leader just comes and says, oh, guess what? When I sat on my desk, I was drinking my coffee. I thought this should be the structure. That would be more of imposing. The best way uh, in the perfect scenario would be ask your, your, your team members. There's one particular company that I worked for, which I was impressed on. If we were a new team altogether. Um, and the director spent two days where we all uh, came together, they hired some life coach who first started with, with personality tests again, <laughs> but then eventually went to, you know, asking each one of us, to you, looking at what this startup is, is trying to establish or achieve or the services they're trying to provide, what do you think uh, the environment that will actually make most people productive look like, especially firstly you as an individual and from the interactions you've had with your teammates on a team level. And that sort of helped us because then we all sat down, we, we got ideas from each other and eventually we all came up with one structure and one objective, one uh, set of rules, house rules and sort of things. But then there was this whole appreciation that came about because each one of us participated in establishing that. Yeah, and I, and I agree with all of you actually. Um, uh, I think core values are super important. And uh, like Cynthia is talking about, like Cynthia is saying, it's really important to get everybody to like jump in and get involved, especially there's so many scenarios like there's starting a business together. There is um, someone or joining an already existing organization with already preset values. Um, there's 
outliers in and around all these spectrums. And I feel like for the different scenarios, of course, like different things apply. If we're starting something from the very beginning, like I, I feel like, like Cynthia is saying, everybody needs to get involved in deciding what the culture is going to be. Like what, what do we stand on as a business? Like if you are a big fan of anything, and I'm sorry to say this, but anything that's not Facebook related, like if Facebook, all the big companies, Google and so on and so forth, like there's lots of businesses that have, what's this search engine, this alternative search engine again? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about GoDaddy. GoDaddy is Dr. Go. Like they have, when I, when I was listening to like CEOs speak about like CEOs speak about the culture that they're trying to build. Like it made me feel like that's something that I would want to be a part of, right? So they all sat down together and decided, okay, this is what we're going to stand behind and we'll stand behind this no matter what. We won't make money this way. We'll make money this way. And it's important that everybody is on the same page. But that way, I feel like it also affects how productive people can be as well, especially at the very beginning. And then if you're joining an, an already existing organization, like I found a resource um, recently. It's called um, keyvalues.com. So basically, this is like a recruitment platform, right? Um, their primary focus is matching um, uh prospective employees, right, to employees whose values you resonate with uh, the employee, right? So businesses need to put what their core values are, and then you decide whether these are values that fit with you. And I feel like at the point when you're joining an organization, right, you already have all these things in perspective, and it's a place that you actually want to work. I recently interviewed for, like, um, uh, like a senior software engineer role, right? Like, the... I went through like three rounds of interviews and by the second round, I already knew that that's a place I definitely wouldn't want to work regardless of, okay, not regardless of how much money, but like, uh, they, they must pay me a lot of money to get me to work for you. Like just a bit more money or like, it's not going to get me to work here because I know that I wouldn't last a year. Like these are not the kind of values that I am. I'd be willing, you know, to adopt and they become my own. And I feel like, a lot of businesses start investing in people. Like I've seen companies where, uh, like Elias was mentioning earlier, like it's important that you are given the tools you need to succeed. And tools aren't just like software or whatever. It's even just an environment or like that teaches you things that you didn't know before. And a lot of people don't invest in other people like their employees or whatever. And it's really, really disappointing. Um, but then, like, there's something that Cynthia said that really, uh, it reminded me why, like, I've started so many things, right? Like, I've started so many things, a lot of things have died, a lot of things are still, like, trying to, you know, uh, find their feet. And a lot of the issues that I've come across are culture-related. Like, how do we sit in a room? Um, how do we get people, first of all, to sit in a room together and actually talk about this stuff. How do we cram them in a place for two days? And for example, you're not even paying salaries yet. Like you haven't got to the point where you're making enough money to hire a coach to come do all these personality tests and, you know, uh, get people in shape. And it somehow always feels like for people who are just starting out trying to get something going, it's, it's always about money, money, money. Like you need, and I don't even blame people for looking for investors and like getting VCs on board. And I know like there's a real big, real big debate about this like everywhere, but it's really, really hard, I guess, to like put everything together and find your feet at the beginning. 
I actually agree with like a lot of what you're saying because uh yeah like i said like you need the tools and whatnot uh to uh succeed and like i when i like look for a job and whatnot like you want to know that you're going to be supported but yeah that doesn't just mean that they're using this platform or they're using uh this tool it also sometimes means that you know the values that you hold to 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 uh, dear to you uh also translate through the company because you don't want to get to a point where you're stagnant, but you also don't want to get to a point where uh, you're actually regressing. Uh, yeah. I actually have a question uh, relating to uh, what is it? Dunning Kruger? Uh, yeah. Uh, like when I was reading up on it and when I was like uh, reading up on what it is, you, you have to ask yourself the question like, is this me? Because sometimes you get the, the impression that, okay, yeah, I can take over the world, I can do all this stuff, but uh, is it is that just a lack of self-awareness? Uh, I'm curious to hear what everyone thinks before I chime in. Uh, I think it's um, it's a good case of ignorance is bliss. Once you find out that everything isn't as um, easy as it seems and that there's more to something than there is, then you get like, it's like getting hit in the face and realizing, oh, okay, there's more to this. I think like, I don't know if this is like a perfect example, but I've had like a couple of challenges where I look at it and I'm like, oh, I can do this because I've just read it, I've just gone through it and it's like, yeah, easy. But as I start to go through it, I found out that there's like much more nuance to the specific aspects of it. And it's not just as easy as it was in my mind. I mean, eventually I do get to do it, but it wasn't the straight path that I thought it was. So I guess it is, uh, it has an aspect. Actually, I think that was a terrible example, but I think there is definitely an aspect of self-awareness and um, looking for that, I guess you you have to look for that uh, or seek awareness or seek that knowledge for you to actually know. Because, like, you never know until you find out. Because you can be, oh, yes, I can do all this, and all this is possible. But, like, until you get into it, you never actually know. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with Daniel. Like, um, uh, the ignorance is bliss part is so relatable because it's not just that, right? It's okay for me. There's certain things that sometimes I convince myself, Oh my God, this is easy. You know, it feels easy. You know, I can, I can, I can snap this skill up, you know, in no time and you start on that path. Then sometimes you don't even hit the peak of the initial confidence. You know what I mean? Like halfway through that, you're like, Oh shit. Uh, this, this is getting a little more difficult and I don't know if I had committed enough to actually go down the hard road. And I guess this is why also, um, um, I think about being a full stack developer a lot. And every time I think about it more, uh, it just convinces me that I would rather be, uh, like a backend developer strictly or something like that because I don't know if I can commit to, um, leveling up in all the different aspects of like the full stack cycle. You know what I mean? Like 
I think I would totally get burnt out by the time I'm even coming down that curve. You know what I mean? So I guess that still ties um, back into like the initial discussion around like um, uh, whether you're working alone or you're working in a team. I definitely feel like it, that experience would be easier if I was in a team because then you can leverage off like different skills that everybody else has. Like if you have a brilliant UI designer on your team, like he could teach you some of the tricks of the trade that would get you to uh, get over certain obstacles really quickly. So definitely for me, it's like a... It's 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 a lack of self awareness and really of um, being overconfident in how quickly I can learn something. And I guess you really need to know what your talent is and what your pitfalls are, because then you know what you're going into like head headstrong. I don't think I subscribe to the ignorance is bliss like. Uh, Theory though, I feel like you definitely need to know what you're getting yourself into because it kind of brace, braces you for the hard road ahead. I feel like this is so much. I'm being so spongy. Um, I like I like what I like. I also don't support the ignorance is bliss. Well, but then again, sometimes I uh, know just to clear the air. I don't mean like stay ignorant. I'm I just know saying in that situation. <laughs> I know, you know, I know, because I'm thinking. You know, there's, there, there could be a situation where, you know, sometimes, sometimes a, a certain culture is advertised and then when you get in there, you're like, wow, okay, what's going on? What's, what's going on here? Yeah, because I've seen, uh, I've seen, I've seen a company that was, uh, that I once interviewed for a while back, I remember. And the interview went great. They, they talked about all this, all these amazing things they were doing or, all of what they were about and uh, their product was a little green. So it was the environment and it had such a positive message. And then I didn't, I didn't get to work with them. Unfortunately, something happened in between, but then uh, one year later, uh, someone left the company and they went public about it and it was proved to be true. And the culture was totally from what the, the the description of the of the of, of the person's organization was, it was totally different from what I was getting from the interview. So I, I don't know about that. Maybe maybe ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I don't know, but but yeah, I get what Daniel was trying to say. Uh, but back on the topic, I think because I'm I'm trying to think here. Um, I'm working I'm working solo. Um, and then I'm trying to switch to another organization and they tell me about all these values. And then Mukuma mentioned money. Uh, and I'm wondering, is money, could money be part of a company's culture? Can I, can I get you guys' opinions on this? Actually, <laughs> Cynthia, Cynthia, I Cynthia, want your opinion. Please. I loved how you talked about personality types. Do you think money could be something that you build in your company's culture? Like money is a strong motivator in our culture. Do you think that could be something? Guys, like recently I was talking to <laughs> to new entrants into the software development uh, world. They, they were from, I think that should be Ghana or Uganda, because of virtual thing. One of them actually asked me to say, would you take a paid internship or an unpaid internship. Um, 
I'll build off from that. What, what I what I told them is, I mean, the thing is we have to be real, realistic as well. There are times when we are forced to actually take up um, jobs because the green is more. <laughs> and you, you look at maybe to increase how much other stuff you can do with the additional money that it will bring. But eventually it comes to the sort of person that that you are. What What do you look at as whenever you're looking at job satisfaction, is it just the money or it also has to do with the culture and the environment that that is there? There are other people that will tell you, well, as long as they're giving me enough money, I can buy my car, I can uh, do my essential shopping and I still have extra in my account, I'm good. But there are other people who tell you, well, I would like it to be equal. In as much as there's money, I should also have an environment that makes me grow where I can smile every morning because I'm about to go for work. Others will tell you, uh, well, I'm comfortable money-wise, but like I'm just really looking at the environment. Is it good enough? Will I be happy? Will I be satisfied emotionally, mental health-wise? So it also comes back to you and what level uh, you are at or stage in life you are at and your background. I mean, there are some people that will tell you, I'm, I'm the breadwinner. I have to look at the green as well. How much are they offering me? It won't just be about my job satisfaction. I'll make a sacrifice on that part because I have people to look after. Others will tell you, well, I'm coming from a comfortable background, so I'm, I'm good as long as the money is not so so much, but I have the, a smile on my face, I'm satisfied, and the environment helps helps me thrive. I'm good. The perfect scenario would be where you have both. The money is good and the environment is good. So, yes, sometimes money is part of what you're looking out for. I think you can never really run away from it, man. It's, the green is definitely important. And that's why I was backtracking when I was talking about it. Like, I think for you to forego some of your other values, like, it, it really should be something significant. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, it's like, I don't know what that phrase is, something about selling your soul to the devil for something or whatever. But you, like, you, you know what your limits are. You, if you, if you're self-aware, you know what your limits are. You know what can push you to forego certain important uh, characteristics or values that you have. And uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say something that I've actually told very few people. I technically took a pay cut to join the organization that I'm with now. Like it wasn't, um, and, and I'll explain, it wasn't really, how can I put it? It wasn't the money that I lost out on. There were a lot of other like benefits that came with the job that I forewent so I could join um, this organization. And a lot of the reasons why I did that were because money wasn't the biggest motivator at the time. Like still very young in my career, right? Still valuing uh, learning uh, skills, still valuing things that are, well, I'll use the word materialistic, uh, though I don't think that's an accurate description. But yeah, like uh, being part of a team or being part of a, a broader goal, like this project was, this project I'm working for now, working on now was maybe how many times bigger than the one I was, I was, I was working on before. Uh, maybe like a thousand times bigger. It's a thousand times bigger in terms of like a user base, right? I was dealing with a hundred people, but now I'm dealing with more than 20,000 people. You know what I mean? So even the level of scale in which like a level of thinking I need to 
do or the number of problems I need to solve was what was like the, the, the biggest lure for me, you know, those kinds of things. So like Cynthia is absolutely right. Like it's, it's never straightforward. Like you, you're always weighing what's better. What, what can I forego? What can I, what can I sacrifice? Basically it's all about sacrifice. But then um, one thing that Alex said that really struck me and I, do, I won't mention which company, but this, this is a real thing. Like companies have to stop lying about the kind of culture and values they have because sometimes there's only so much you can find out from like websites or if you're unlucky, you don't know someone that's worked there already. You know, it becomes really difficult to kind of gauge what the internal structure is like. And you can only rely on what people are telling you in the interview or what they have on their website. And it's not always what's really true on the ground. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like sometimes it's maybe that they don't understand like what kind of value or what kind of like culture they have. And so when they are talking about all these things, like they'll tell you whatever you want to hear so they can, they can get you and so on and so forth. And I guess that's, that's an annoying part of like the entire cycle, like trying to get into a space or trying to start a space and so on and so forth. Yeah, true. I mean, it really just depends on what your values are. If money is one of your highest values or financial independence, or like, like Cynthia said, like if you can't not be um, in employment and you have to be providing for people, money is definitely something you can think about. But I mean, if you think about money after some point, it really doesn't matter. I mean, not like, it's not like forget about it, but like, Hey, okay. You get a job that pays you. I mean, for like Zambian context, let's say you get a job that pays you 80, no, that's a lot, like 50,000 kwacha and you're comfortable. You can pay rent. You have no family. It's just like an example. And you get another one that pays you 60,000 kwacha. And like that difference won't really make a huge impact. And then let's say the the company that's offering you 60,000 kwacha has a terrible record and bad management. I think it's just not worth it because you're comfortable. And it, I think it's really just about you and what you're willing to take. If enjoying your work is something that you value, then maybe the 50,000 kwacha job makes sense. But if you just, you don't mind that mental strain, um, then yeah, go for, go for 60,000 each his own, I guess. And I just say that money is about to become a lot more important. So uh, yeah. Uh, And if, if you're the kind of person that looks solely at how much money you're making, I mean, more power to you. Like, Run the world. It's, 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 it's really not about, uh, that's about what's important to you and whether the money is important to you or not is, uh, neither here nor there as long as you know what's important to you and you understand what you're looking for when you're looking. Uh, so, uh, that's what I'll say on that, uh, on that point. Um, perhaps we should start wrapping up. I think. Uh, to sum it up for me, uh, I've learned a lot from you guys. Thanks for the chat. Uh, 
I think now no, the dope composition. Yeah. <laughs> I think now like now I've got I've got three things I've got three things going on in my mind right now. One I'm thinking I... culture should be a big thing. Um I think from our discussions it seems it's a big thing. Uh, I guess it's something everyone who has a company or who's starting one thinking of starting one maybe should think about. Of course it probably shouldn't like be the big top of your head like how are we going to how are we going to turn years down the line. I mean, you're probably trying to just get through the first year, but it should be something that's in your head. Um, two, I guess money is important and it should be a part of what you're thinking about in shaping a culture of a company, how you're going to appease people financial-wise. Don't start I think, people. I don't, I don't know how that works. In, I don't know how that works in, pract- in practicality, but yeah, money is a big thing. Also, uh, people's personalities, I guess, are something that you should always include when you're, when you're navigating through the whole culture thing, I think. Uh, I love how Cynthia's shed a lot of light on it. And, and I, don't, I don't usually like to think about it. I like to rate stats over, over, over personality and really thinking about people. And I think it's something I could start to hmm. change, maybe. And uh, something I've learned today. Uh, any of you guys want to wrap up too? I will not lie. Money is 75% of what I look out for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest. No, like um, I, I believe in being realistic. Right now, that is what I'm looking because I have several projects that need money. So, of course, I'm going to 75%? Yes. I know, right? Right now, right now it's 75%. <laughs> Not judging. I'm being honest. <laughs> no, we're not judging. We're just we're impressed. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, make make your money. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should. Yeah, but you know, in in the end, I I guess um, it has been established. It's it's about which stage of life you are you're at and how far you can go. If you're going to make any sacrifices, which ones are you going to gladly make? And which ones are you going to say, no, I think this has just gone too far. It's unacceptable. And yeah, so I've, I've, I've had now to even read more about the Dunning Kruger effect, which is quite fascinating. And yeah, I shouldn't be judging, but as I was reading through, I had few personalities <laughs> or <laughs> persons <laughs> I had in mind who I think do need to read up a lot on this about overestimating their skill levels. But anyway, that's for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd really, I'd really like to dive more into this. Uh, this uh, <laughs> um, Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. Yeah, because I think for me personally, it's really interesting because I, I always try to be really self-aware. Uh, that means uh, taking criticism and understanding that uh, not only am I not as good as I may think I am sometimes, but also there's a lot I can learn. And sometimes the beginning of learning is opening your mind to the fact that you are wrong or that you might not know something. And also, I'll say towards uh, culture and uh, like company culture. I personally have certain uh, values that I hold dear to me. So, yes, money is uh, 
the big thing and I think it's going to become bigger with uh, everything that's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, I also have certain things that, like I already mentioned, I, I, I like I don't want to say I'll exclusive I'll exclusively work for software companies, but I at least have to work with a company that I know has, you know, uh, a forward-thinking uh, technical branch uh, or you know is focused of, you know, on software in some capacity because I know those are the places that I will grow. I'm also trying to uh, think about the effects of uh, the companies that, uh, you know, like in terms of like the global effect, like uh, I, I think it's Alec that was talking about uh, companies that were fronting about being green uh, when they actually weren't. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the news. I know right now it's all Corona, but like we're kind of fucking up the world. So uh, I, I really want to be more thoughtful of that and not only my personal uh, thought processes. So that means like not throwing shit around and stuff like that and uh, being cognizant of recyclable material and that kind of thing, but also not supporting uh, companies that do that kind of thing. And, you know, it all comes down again, I'm just wrapping up, but it all comes down to uh, my personal values and, uh, reminding everyone that they should know what their values are. They should realize how important those values are to them because at the end of the day, we're all trying to run through this life, be happy and stuff. And if you don't know what makes you happy, then how can you be happy? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for me, in terms of like um, this whole entire conversation, uh, I always feel like uh, Cynthia is absolutely right. Um, 75% right now, Next year, it could be down to 50. You know what I mean? Like situations are so fluid and it's so dependent on what your needs are at that particular time. And I feel like culture also evolves, right? It doesn't mean that when you uh, build a culture from the beginning, it'll always be like that. Like things change. Like a lot of this stuff is also dependent on the people that you have around you. And it's important to not be rigid in that aspect as well. Um, I'm on a journey uh, to become as self-aware as possible. And I know that this journey will be so hard. It's already hard. Like tough decisions need to be made. And for the people around me, like close to me, know that I'm battling with some serious um, decision-making, uh, trying to decide which values are more important than others. Um, and I want a culture that fits into that perspective so uh, my growth can be much smoother and I know that it's sort of like an ideal. If I can't find the couch I'm looking for, I don't mind building it around me and the work that I'm doing. Um, I feel like I'm, I don't want to limit myself to just like the nine to five or whatever. Like I feel like even with the relationships I have with like the community of devs and all these things play a crucial role in how you grow as well. So, so yeah, it should extend to that. Mm, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I mean, culture is such an important aspect that I think a lot of people overlook. And and I mean, like, from a company's perspective, if you're going into or looking for a company, I think looking for a company that chooses to properly compensate their employees and having that as part of, like, as part of the culture, because there's many 
people who will try and get as much value from you and pay you as little as possible. And there's not many people who compensate fairly. And I think that should be something you look for um, if you have the, the privilege to do so. Yeah, definitely. And I guess to, um, to cap it off, Elias, you said something about, uh, the worst part about human beings. I, I, I look for it because I thought I'd seen something similar around. And Socrates said something like the only true wisdom is knowing when we know nothing. And I guess that all just falls back into being self-aware. Um, so this has been amazing. I enjoyed the conversation. It's always nice to talk to you guys. Um, if you, you want to join in, uh, really? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say it. I miss you guys. I miss like hanging out in, in the studio uh, with our producer slash seducer. Uh, so, yeah. Like I said, downsides. Like upsides. Put seducer in that statement. Yeah, the, the producer slash seducer. <laughs> Who does this yeah. seduce first? Okay, like you ask me very hard questions. <laughs> 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 anyway, we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> we're wrapping up. So, if you're listening out there, we want to hear your um your stories around uh what what cultures you've been exposed to, how it's worked for you, and uh, you can send us your your voice notes uh, using the link in the description. And we'll we'll try and play it in one of the episodes that come next. Actually, we should do that. Send in uh, whatever questions you have or whatever opinions you have on whatever show we've done, and we'll try and compile um, some responses to any questions and put them in an episode uh, that we can publish later. So if you want to talk to us directly um we're at podcast zm on twitter instagram uh pretty much every other platform uh i'm sour underscore bones if you want to reach to reach out to me directly um yeah uh i think i'll try say it for everybody uh, jor underscore eli 360 that's elias uh very vocal yeah, yeah, yeah. uh at malgamves that's m-a-l-g-a-m-v-e-s uh what and do you do yeah, and Python Khaleesi. I'm quite. And, uh, <laughs> Alec, what's what's your what's your I social? What's your social? <laughs> oh my! Ah, but like, ah, okay. Ah, but I'm faceless on my socials. <laughs> no one's gonna know what you look like, dude. I just realized. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, ah, damn. But you I don't have, have to if you don't want to. Yeah, you don't oh, have right? to if you don't want to. I don't have to. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, you have to. You have to. It's no, a rule supposed... that we made. Yes. Every talk... guest. I guess we just made that rule now. Because I talk... you don't have Instagram, you have to make one. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, agree no. with the liars. <laughs> so I have to make an I have to make like an like an Instagram. Do yeah. Yes. Does it have to go live? Does and you have to post weekly and hashtag podcast on all your posts. Ah, okay, okay. I will make an IG. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, this has been great. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. And to everybody that's managed to get through to the end, 
there've been some gems and I know you know this because you listened all the way to the end. Thank you very much. We appreciate all of you. Elias, are you ready for a signature exit? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Podcasts out. You've been listening to Codecast Zambia brought to you by Agora Code. Visit agoracode.community for more information or like us on Facebook. That's at Code Agora. We're on Twitter too, at Code Agora. 